Welcome. We are so thankful that you are here joining us today on our podcast, Our Shared Humanity. Our show is sponsored by the Healing and Reconciliation Institute and also through the donations and support of our listeners. Our show amplifies and celebrates the personal stories and teachings of healing and reconciliation in order to invoke our shared humanity. Each month, we welcome a guest to our show where we learn more about their personal commitment to the Healing and Reconciliation Voyage, the teachings that have helped them during their life, and the hopeful stories that are happening all over the country and the world. We welcome you to join us by subscribing to our podcast and also checking out our organization's website, healingreconciliationinstitute.org. Please also consider making a donation when you listen to sustain our work and to honor the contributions of elders who have shared their teachings with all of us. Rise up, all you warriors of love, all you answers to the prayers of our ancestors from above. Today, we are very excited to welcome Michelle McCrary to our show. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, I'm honored, nervous, <laughs> glad to be here. Well, I was really glad to have you here, uh, Michelle. And and I want to bring our listeners in here to to learn a little bit about you. Michelle McCrary is an earthling, a daughter, a grandchild, a mother, a friend, a partner born under a Scorpio moon with Virgo rising and her son firmly in Aries. She is also a writer, a storyteller, and a family history keeper. Since the late 90s, Michelle has been researching her maternal Geechee lines and their connection to her indigenous West African roots that include the Mende people of Sierra Leone. Recovering the story of her ancestors led Michelle to the history of the Geechee and Seminole Maroon communities resisting enslavement in what is now known as the state of Florida. The bridging of Black and Indigenous histories in her own lineage informs her work as a facilitator for the Healing and Reconciliation Institute. In addition to this deep lineage work, Michelle has spent over 20 years working in communications and public relations, and she also holds Bachelor's of Arts in American Culture from Vassar College, and is currently working on her next Economy MBA from Lyft Economy. Welcome, 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 Michelle. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. It's really weird to hear a bio. It's 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 informative, but also like edited, you know, because it's like there's so much more that I feel that's there. <laughs> it, this could be like a, a three hour podcast, but thank you. I'm I'm really grateful to be here. Well, thank you, and and I'm and I'm looking forward to diving in more. I mean, each each of those words we could really pull out today and, and have a conversation around. And I thought maybe we could start with just this one part of your bio. Is is I'm very excited that we're we're going to be covering a few things today that you have shared. You'd like to talk about. First of all, what does good guest mean to you? I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on that. And maybe before we get into that, if you could just share. What what it means to be a facilitator for HRI or or your reason for choosing to be one. Some of our listeners have really been curious about who our facilitators are. So we're excited to have our first formal facilitator guest yeah. on our podcast. So my journey to HRI came through the client side. I was the head of communications at the Esalen Institute, which is a holistic educational institute in Big Sur. And, you know, they were working through some 
you know, correcting of relationship with the Esalen tribe of Monterey County. And HRI and, and Maya and the team were sort of the mediators in that, in that relationship. From the client-facing side at that time, what I saw in my body as a Black woman who had worked in corporate America for many years was like <laughs> a white woman talking about, you know, healing and reconciliation. And I had no idea. I was skeptical. I was like, I don't know if this is going to be the place for me. This could be harmful. I have done a spin around the sun at diversity trainings and I didn't love them. So yeah, I was so pleasantly surprised and grateful to speak with you and you put my mind at ease. And then I did the first training with the rest of the staff and it blew me away. It was a perspective that I hadn't even like considered. I was personally in my early work of healing and was really, you know, new to the idea of trauma and generational trauma and had been working with that information, you know, kind of in my own healing work with my own therapist, you know, probably like two years before I even got to HRI. But the connection of that to the training was just exploded my mind. And especially Pat McCabe's teaching about this archetypical wound and the perspective of intergenerational trauma from the European perspective was so powerful and almost comforting, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Because I think when you're sort of the target of that energy, it's really hard to believe that people could continue to have a shred of humanity and continue, you know, those actions as a collective. And to have the perspective, you know, sort of to put it succinctly of hurt people hurt people in this really broad, deep sense, it made, it made sense. And from the perspective of kind of healing and forgiveness and reconciliation and the capacity for everyone to change and grow, um, you know, I just felt like that was information that was so powerful. And I was like, wow, I just, I need to know more. I'm also an obsessive. <laughs> and when I'm, and I'm curious and when my curiosity is peaked, I'm like full on. <laughs> so yeah, I just was like, wow, I want to know more. And I decided to take up the offer of becoming a training to become a facilitator when that opportunity arose. I, you know, Michelle, I love getting to have a chance to, to be on the this show with you and, and to get to hear more because these questions wouldn't, we wouldn't have this time together otherwise. So I'm just, just basking and getting to know you better through this process already. Yeah. And what I recall from the facilitator cohort was that this concept of good guest, which we talk a little bit about in our healing reconciliation learning journey, as it relates to how how should we show up on this land once we've known something about the history 
And I remember you sharing that that your experience as a Black woman and this idea of good guest was something that you had to particularly wrestle with, especially related to your own lineage and unique identity. I would love to, to hear more about that because it it's really enriched the, the facilitator cohort and all of us to just be witnessing that inquiry and what you've sh- shared with all of us about that. Yeah, I think there's two parts to that. The first part is in my own family history, on my maternal line, the Geechee side of the family. And for those who don't know, Gullah Geechee people are located on the coast of South Carolina and Georgia. And they were trafficked and enslaved from the West Coast of Africa, mainly because of their skill at cultivating rice and indigo and, you know, other things. And those communities were so isolated, they were very much kept intact. So all of those sort of indigenous ways that traveled over from West Africa to the Georgia coast remained. And and there are just, you know, pieces of that culture that remain in language and custom and food and all those things. And that's my family. And, you know, where my grandmother was born in the 40s, the entire town was destroyed by eminent domain by the U.S. government, by the Air Force. And one of my elders, who has now become an ancestor, when I went down there with my grandmother, she told us a story of how they were basically burned out of the town. And, you know, they hid in a barn and they were like wet and cold and, you know, they had lost their home. They had lost, you know, this tie to this land, like the only home, you know, especially those generations who were second generation after the people who were enslaved right from the continent is the only home they ever knew. So, you know, in my mind, the struggle for my grandmother's community, which continues today to right that wrong and kind of reclaim this homeland that they've always known kind of informs my ideas about connections to land and complicating that is that journey that I took discovering these connections between the indigenous people of Georgia, the Muscogee Creek specifically, and the Seminole, and the connection between those folks and Geechee folks. Contested a lot of the times, a lot of Creek men were slave catchers, and there's a complicated history there. The Maroon communities, it's also a complicated history, not the only history, but in the context of my lineage, you know, that's kind of what I knew. And in coming into contact with HRI and getting this perspective around the first harm, it really crystallized for me the need to center the stolen land in the story of the stolen people. And even in telling the story of my ancestors and that land theft, we can't ever forget that that was first Muscogee land and that was first indigenous land. And so that's kind of the the perspective that I bring. And that's the kind of bridging 
that I realized as I was going through the training that I was being called to do. And I realized that <laughs> other parts of, you know, the facilitator journey, I was less called to do. <laughs> and I see you're laughing because in my like very direct kind of like East Coast way, I was like, yeah, I, I don't know if educating my European brothers and sisters is my ministry, but <laughs> this bridging, you know, between indigenous folks and black folks, I had kind of been on that road and we didn't really get into that as we were getting to know each other. But yeah, I, I had been kind of in that space, pre-social media, pre all the things. I even went to a conference at Dartmouth about it, which was probably one of the first of its kind. And I, you know, somehow Taya Miles took pity on me. And even though I was not affiliated with any academic institution, I told her my story and what I was trying to find information about. And I was able to, you know, go to New Hampshire and experience this conference. And uh, yeah, I had just kind of been in and out of you know, this kind of like my whole life. Yeah. And being in indigenous spaces and volunteering and, you know, showing up when and where I can. Yeah. It just kind of HRI really helped me to finally listen to my ancestors. You're like, okay, this is what you need to be doing. <laughs> yeah. Mm. There's so much there, Michelle, and I and I and I was, you know, yeah, the the, the laughter of of just remembering that conversation where you were just pretty darn clear, like I I think I know where I want to do this and where I don't, and I'm like perfect. <laughs> yeah, and we, you know, it's something that I really uh, we take, you know, I personally take seriously just from a trauma informed perspective, which is if it's not exciting or joyful to you, then it's probably not going to be healing and it's probably not going to be where you're supposed to be. Right. And that permission, that permission, even in, you know, as, as, you know, folks who identify as being kind of social justice activists or, you know, community organizers or whatever these identities that I think sometimes we feel like we have to go into hard spaces all the time. I mean, but there's enough discomfort with this work to, to bridge in the, in the communities that we feel most maybe is appropriate for us, if not healing. Yeah, yeah, and I was really grateful that you heard that. And I'm, I've been really grateful for the perspective. And, and I think it's so clear that even though we might have our own healing work to do and our own pathways, we need to at some point do it together and finding healthy ways and context in which we can come together is helpful. And I think that's kind of the beautiful thing about the way HRI is structured because you have that ability to, you know, for, for indigenous people to, to be centered and take that space and have indigenous only spaces, but also knowing that there are different kinds of people who are part of the organization and the facilitators who come in to support that work. So I think, you know, when you're thinking in terms of being a good guest, really centers the host. You invited me in some cases. <laughs> some cases you just show up, but you know, in my tradition and my family's tradition in the South, you don't show up empty handed. You know, you show up with something to share, something to offer. And that's really what it means 
to me, even if your offer seems meager in your mind, it's it's that instinct of relational exchange. And I think that is like, uh, that's m- my sort of indigenous African piece coming out because it's so deep. Like it's like it's so deep and you don't realize. And I think a lot of black folks don't realize that. And I think the, I, the understanding the history of two indigenous peoples speaking to each other under these circumstances is so powerful. And I feel like we need to learn how to do that together. And uh, yeah, that's my mission. Mm-hmm. Y'all, there's so many places I want to take this conversation, but I, I would love to to go back to your ancestors. It's all, there's one thing that I think is kind of interesting about the folks that, that I have gotten to interact with as a result of this work is that radical spirituality or spirituality is is at the center of this and that's kind of confusing for folks sometimes because we're not not we're we're non-denominational but but what i have noticed is is that in this space people are more comfortable talking about where some of their information comes from and since you you shared that your ancestors were kind of helping guide you maybe towards what you were looking for can you share a little bit more about what that means for you and 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 how does that inform what you're doing now Ancestors are tricky. <laughs> They're funny. They sometimes push you in places where you're like, why am I here? And why is this really painful? Why is this, what, what, is, what is the end game to this? And I think I spent so much of my life not listening to them fully that by the time I came to HRI, they were like, they were yelling. They were were like, like, pay attention, pay attention, please. So for me, that just comes in the form of taking a, a look at why you're really put in connection with some people and why you're really in certain spaces. Mm -hmm. And I realized that in the midst of some suffering (laughs) that I was going through, that I was not here for this thing that I thought I was there for. I was here to make this connection and get this learning and get this teaching to get me thinking about this very thing that we're talking about. You know, how do you talk about being the descendant of removed, trafficked, enslaved people who had their own homeland, their own indigenous cultures, and and being torn from that homeland and forced into another homeland where genocide was being committed against the, the indigenous people on their very homelands. And they were being removed inside of their homelands and being moved out of their you know, ancestral traditional homes. How do you square those things? How do you square those things knowing that, you know, you never got that 40 acres and a mule (laughs) of not even your land? How do you square those like painful, harmful history? How do you square all those things, the anti-Blackness that comes up because of pains of colonization and, you know, white supremacy that we've all kind of internalized? You know, where do you go with that? What do you do? How do you start to bridge those things for people whose 
fates have been intertwined for such a long time and have gone through just like this reality that continues today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, when, you know, when you've shared, when you've shared that this, these, these threads and these, this kind of deep knowledge that this, this inquiry that you were pursuing, one of the things that just keeps coming up for me is, as how, how important that type of bridging is. Because as we look and we know history, you know, one of the biggest challenges that we have to overcome is that the language, even the ling- English language is, is used in this way that creates and separates us from each other. And so even in how we talk about these things, it's so difficult, right? Because I can use the word indigenous and some folks might identify with that word as being part of their heritage or not. And I, and, and that's for the person to decide, but that, that I'm just hearing, even in your story, that the bridging around indigenous peoples, those that came from West Africa, for example, or North Florida has been connected around this shared story. Even if the, the, the individual experiences of those lineages were different. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there are similarities in how you understand or relate to the land and remembering, you know, those elders that I was able to sit down with, you know, before they passed and listening to how they talked about, you know, knowing all the trees and the birds and everything about that land. I'm just like, this sounds very familiar. (laughs) This sounds like, you know, indigenous, you know, folks on Turtle Island and how Indigenous folks talk about Turtle Island and, and, you know, Black folks are talking about it in that same way. And I always wonder, you know, you, you're, you're, you have this horrific experience coming through the, the Middle Passage and you get to this land that sort of looks like the land that you left, meaning, you know, like coastal Georgia and West Africa. And then there are people still on that land who this is their traditional lands there was some exchange that happened there it wasn't all one thing or another it wasn't all you know native folks from the five civilized tribes enslaved black people and buffalo soldiers and all those things it was there was a a greater complexity there including you know kinship ties kinship ties that i'm still trying to uncover kinship ties that might be lost, especially on my paternal side. I have the experience of meeting someone who is just, I would say, 99% sure is a relative. Tell me about being Tuscarora and being Deer Clan and sharing all these names that are the same names on my paternal side of the family from the same location and my instinct was no way because nobody had a ever talked about that to me b black folks always got some indian in the family <laughs> so we always have that story but you know i think that connection is complicated also by those kinship ties known and unknown and that's also happening kind of in the background in addition to what happened uh, between the Geechee people and the, you know, the Muscogee Creek people and the Seminole people. There's a lot there for people to be curious about. I would call 
diasporic Black folks to think about that and center the fact that center Indigenous people and center Indigenous people and not buy into this whole idea of people disappearing or, you know, quote, dying out. Because I think there's a lot of erasure that can happen around the story of enslavement that includes indigenous erasure. And I think it's, it's, it's hard to hold those things sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. No, it really does. And I appreciate you going into the, the, the degree of detail because a lot of, for a lot of our listeners, this might be the first time that they are learning this part of the story. And I, and I also, you know, I see your, you know, bringing in the Black diaspora, the African diaspora into this conversation because that the storytelling is so much more complex is what I'm hearing from you. And that complex identity that, you know, we, we talked about these shorthand words, you know, and black and white and, you know, our practice is of course to try to dig deeper than that. Um, and that's sometimes hard to do, you know, many, many of us have our stories of family trauma that make it harder to go deeper into that inquiry. And there's folks that can even try to stop us from, from doing that inquiry because it's too hard for them. And I, I wanted to bring that in too, Michelle, you're, you know, for what you feel comfortable sharing is as you've had this dedicated lineage work of, of, of guided by your ancestors of nudging you along, how has this been, how has this landed with your family or from, you know, from any of your you know, childhood friends, um, what are, is there, is there a, a sense that there's an understanding of what this path you're on or any, you know, or curiosity or, or, or fear? Yeah, I think there's for sure curiosity. And I think that the pieces that I share with my friends, they're really plugged into the generational trauma pieces. And there have been some beautiful stories that they've shared with me about their own families. Um, just the things that they've uncovered. And I think something you said, I just want to pick up on, you said there are people who kind of want to prevent us from digging into these histories. And I think that what resonates for me is the fact that generational memory and historical memory are very much on parallel planes. So, you know, I would encourage folks to keep that curiosity because for me, what also opened up the doors in this exploration and what I think makes people less like, what is Michelle doing now? Because, you know, I am also kind of the weirdo of the family a little bit. Just Now you, now you tell me. <laughs> yeah, but I think what kind of opens up that pathway is a recognition is a recognition that these stories are in their families too. My family knows these stories are in their family and those gaps and those silences are real for everyone. And all those things are because something happened to all of us. Like Resma Menachem says, something happened. And I think if we can approach that with a tender sense of curiosity and openness to what we might find and and be embodied in that experience, I feel like that's when the healing happens. Because it's not going to be roses and rainbows and finding out that you're related to the fourth duchess of whatever. 
there's going to be some hard stuff in that. And I think that hard stuff is what has been transformative for me. And I think the people around me can pick up on that energy of transformation. And it's, it's, it's hopeful. It feels hopeful for me, even when, even when I feel like it's hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm hearing that. I'm, I'm hearing that, that gentleness, that, that approach, that suggestion and invitation to our audience to be gentle with themselves and also and to challenge ourselves to to do the the harder part of the lineage work you know and then for for some you know so for some of my kind of white facing or white identified friends that's that's really terrifying because they know they don't have to go very far back to find you know somebody who stole land um, somebody who was in the clan you know somebody who who just did some really harmful things and they're so afraid of it. And I, I think that's, you know, there's a lot of discomfort to that, but there's also just a lot of nectar in that, of, you know, what's the worst thing that could happen to us by doing it, I guess. What's the worst thing that could happen is we learn something that's uncomfortable. Right. And I think, you know, finding out who your people are, where, where they came from, why, what they did when they arrived everything will come up and i think inside of the everything that comes up in that exploration is a real potential to connect to resource because at the end of the day for everyone through all that trauma i'm here you're here what made that possible and what can you do moving forward so that future generations don't have to go through all those changes to tap into that resource or to find that it's it's really spiritual and energetic resource that allows you to come through that kind of hurt and pain that's just it's in your body part of who you are Um, But also in that pain, there's also resource. So I just feel like it would be really beautiful to, for everyone to find that resource in their own ancestry, in their own lineage, because it's there. You know, I'm with the listeners that are listening along with me, with to you, Michelle, it's so clear that you're a storyteller, you know, you're, you're, you're this background of yours of 20 years of storytelling and communications and public relations is it's it's so coming out in the way you share so beautifully and i know i know that what we've heard from our audience is that it's so helpful to to pull in that practitioner role and and what is it what are the you know that these these steps in your invitation what are some of the suggested things that you think would be helpful um, as people are starting on their path, just from your own personal experience, is there anything that you would like to invite your listening audience to, to join you in? Um, talk to your elders. Talk to them, you know, now. Talk to them and realize, and just ask one question and just sit back and listen. And then go back and ask another question. And then find the person in your family who is doing the the genealogy (laughs) find the person in the family who's doing ancestry and 
ask that person questions because even if you're not the person who's going to go and do like the whole family tree i think that asking questions and finding those people in, in your family that you can listen to and uncover these stories is the first step and realize that it's a practice it's a practice of uncovering it's going to be a lifetime you know, just like this work, the healing work of it. And I mean, I've been doing this, like I said, like, you know, just with my maternal side since the late nineties. And there's so much, and there's so much. And yeah, and taking a look at your, the places where your family is from, what was happening at the time? What were the historical events that were happening? You know, imagine what it was like for them when all of this stuff is going on around them. Again, that's more information and context that kind of helps to ground you in something. And then if you want to go back further, what are your indigenous roots from where your people are from? You know, do you have access to them? How do you learn more? How do you learn about that connection to their homelands and, and the spiritualities earth-based spirituality happen for everyone and you just have to uncover it and I think that's a a place of resource Michelle you hear that everybody just just you hear what she just gave you as a roadmap I, I go ahead and push that button go back write that down take in what Michelle said she just provided this gorgeous roadmap Michelle it's thank you for that you know, I think a lot of folks are intimidated by this and you just you just brought everyone here into this process and you you create this invitation that that is available to everyone that's listening. Thank you so much. And, you know, we, we, we want, we're seeing your amazing bridge building just in your invitation alone. Um, and I'm really valuing that we had this chance together today um, to spend time together. Thank you. Um, thank you for asking me. Uh, thank you for everyone listening. Yeah. And thanks to my co-facilitators, my facilitator partner in crime, um, everyone who was on that journey in that first cohort. I want to extend such gratitude to them for their patience and support. And um, yeah, just it's cool because I feel like we show up for each other, even outside of the training and all the things so yeah i'm just super grateful and super grateful to you and megan to all of the wisdom teachers that you know you've shared with us thank you such an honor michelle and as we're as we're closing today we just want to go ahead and invite all of those that are listening to consider michelle's words today to to think about the invitations that she has provided you this you know low-hanging fruit of picking up the phone and calling your grandma, finding out more about the history of where you, where your grandma was situated in time when she was a child, or maybe your great grandmother, your great grandfather, what was going on for them, and 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 also this this source of that indigenous story way back in each of our lineages. I'm just I'm sitting with all those things today, Michelle, and I want to say thank you. 
with forgiveness as my bow and my prayers as my arrows pull them back and let go i watch them fly like sparrows have hope as we go to our as we go back out to our our listeners thank you for joining us as always this podcast is copyrighted 2022 the healing reconciliation institute our music is by lila june johnson and lauren monroe Technical direction by Alice McGowan and edited by Hunter Wentworth. Administrative support by Suki and Hazard, our advisor circle, and of course, your hosts, Brianna Bellamy and Maya West. Thank you for listening. And in the honor of gifting and of when we come empty handed, Michelle has taught us, we don't come empty handed. If you'd like to offer a reciprocal gift of thanks for listening, please go to our website and use the donate now button and mention our guest in your donation form, and that will help us support the growth of this podcast. Thank you so much for coming.